Welcome to Future Foodcast. I'm Pam Linemiller, your host. Thank you to our sponsor, Farm to Plate, their software company creating tomorrow's food business ecosystem today. Wow, we have a great two guests with us today, which I'm so excited about. I want to make sure I get all of the introductions right. Uh, we have Deb Locke and Jill Pavlak. They are co-founders and co-owners of Urban Growler Brewing Company. They are the first women-owned brewery in Minnesota. Welcome to the podcast, Jill and Deb. Well, thanks, Thank Pam. So glad to have you on. And my my first question, and I'm sure our listeners is, how do the two of you even have this idea to start a brewing company? Tell us the story. Well, I'll start. Uh, Deb and I met 16 years ago, and it's kind of funny. We met at our first meeting was at a craft beer bar, and um, which is sort of uh, fortuitous. And uh, we learned early on when uh, we met that we both wanted to uh, own a business. And I'd owned a couple smaller businesses in the past. Deb grew up, and I'll let her talk about that, in the restaurant industry. So I, um, I was drawn to the fact that she wanted to open a business. And I, like I said, had two other businesses and didn't want to do it alone ever again. But um, because when you are in business, it is your life. So um, we would... We were trying to figure out what it what it was that we wanted to do, and we would uh, we researched lots of options. But we would be sitting. Deb's been a home brewer since the '90s, and we'd sit in our backyard and have a beer and just be like, "What should we do together? What could it be?" And then um, finally, we decided, "Let's open a brewery." And I would always add with a kitchen, and Deb would be like, uh -uh. Uh, "But I can share how I got that." Um, how I was able to convince her we needed a kitchen to go with the brewery. But Deb, okay. you want to add to the story? Yeah. So we, um, we've actually been open nine years now, but we were six years in planning before that. So we've been on this journey for quite some, some time. But when we decided that we wanted to do the brewery, we immersed ourselves in the industry. So I was a home brewer, but at that point um, we got more, professional experience. So I uh, became an assistant brewer in a, a small brewery, went to brewing school in California, did my apprenticeship at a regional brewery, and just we immersed ourselves in the industry just trying to get experience. Jill, because she was interested in the food aspect, kind of did it a little different than I did. You want to talk about your experience? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So um, like I mentioned, I really wanted a kitchen with the brewery. And so I was the first to leave um, my real job. Um, and, you know, Deb and I were both doing well. Uh, she was working at a biomedical engineering firm or company, a large one. And I was working straight commission sales and doing well. And it wasn't that I was unhappy. It was just that I knew I wanted to do something different and together. I knew um, I wanted to do something with them. And when we decided on brewery, like she said, six years in planning, I did not want to put on 36,000 miles a year anymore in my car. I wanted to be able to walk everywhere. So the first thing I did was find a restaurant within walking distance of our house and I just showed up there and they were hiring a host. And I just said, I want to learn everything there is to learn about the restaurant world. And within six weeks, I was um, managing. 
So um, I, I was able to get my foot in the door and I was thrilled to get this opportunity. And I worked for this, I helped them um, manage, uh, they had seven restaurants, I helped them manage one and I helped them open another one in our uptown area in Minneapolis. So it was great experience. And then I also worked at a large uh, liquor store to learn why they carry the craft beer that they carry. And then also during this time, Deb and I moved to Davis, California so she could get her master's in brewing. And just, again, we toured all around visiting tap rooms, paying attention to what we really wanted to bring back to Minnesota. And uh, we made a lot of good notes and had a great time and learned that we were all in, that even though we were making, we had to cut our like salaries or payments to ourselves at that time to like $80 a week. And so uh, we learned to live on very little, um, but we were happy. And we had a mission in mind and um, we were committed. We were both in. So it was exciting. It was a very exciting time. That's really exciting. I want to pause here for just a minute and shout out to entrepreneurs everywhere because use Jill and Deb as a model. They didn't just jump in with out knowledge. They the six years in the making was really research and learning and getting certified and, and getting degrees in what you were going to be doing. I mean, from going from home brewer to actually studying and getting a degree. And then you'd never been in the restaurant business before, Jill, so you, but you took this job and then you were managing and you used your skills and learned that part of the business. So for those who are listening to us right now, who might have that that entrepreneurial thought, I love being a home brewer, for example, so I can just jump into starting a brewery. Well, not so fast. There's a lot more involved. And obviously, these two founders really took that route and they planned what they were doing. And I'm sure that's part of why you've had such, such success in what you've done so far. It's a, a great Great founder story. I really love that. Well, tell us what's happening right now because you have different locations, you have different venue options, and tell us what you do. Yeah, so we're located in um, what's called the Creative Enterprise Zone of uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. We have a uh, tap room, beer garden, restaurant, event center at our location. Um, and in Minnesota, packaging microbreweries can have a restaurant, but we also distribute our beer outside of our tap room. So we are distributing Urban Growler beer, self-distributing, so that's another leg of our business, around the Twin Cities metro area and, and around there. So we distribute it in kegs and cans. And um, so our, our goal when we set out our mission was to bring people together through beers. It was a very divisive time politically. And we thought if people would just sit down with each other and have a beer, we'd realize that we have more in common than separates us. So that was our, our uh, mission and still is what is our DNA today. And Deb, I love what you said there because I think it's almost always a divisive time <laughs> in one topic area or another. And certainly politics is one of those. But when people can sit and come together over, you know, in that social time, you know, don't we celebrate over food and drink and 
a brewery setting and certainly you've set yours up to be very welcoming and inclusive. And I'd love for you to talk about that, but you, you want to bring people together where we can have conversations about things and focus on what we have in common rather than those things that might divide us or where we have a different opinion. Uh, share a little bit about that because I think that's one of the unique qualifiers of your business model that is drawing patrons to you. I'll, I'll jump in here. Uh, just when we were six years in planning and we visited hundreds of tap rooms, we definitely noticed the tap rooms where we felt like we weren't welcome. And it might have been the artwork that was like a very, um, uh, what's the word? Um, vivacious, I don't know what the word is, but um, uh, sexualized woman. Yeah, there you go. Masculine. Like <laughs> uh, we had a definitely a masculine theme. Not that that's bad, but that's right. just and that's exactly what I want to say is that's their story. That's what you know. That is totally fine. But there were also comments made, like when we go to order a beer, like assumptions made about maybe Deb's um, understanding of beer, and it's like she's a master brewer. Which you know, like I, it was frustrating, and it was just we were like we will never be that way. We will never make assumptions about what men want to drink or what women want to drink or what anyone wants to drink. Um, and so we, and we said our artwork will never be offensive. It will, we want a family friendly environment. We also um, were very clear that from day one, all are welcome, no matter how you vote, how you identify, who you love, all are welcome, period. We have a huge family, um, like I have 121st cousins. We do not all agree, but I wanted people to be able to be here and feel welcome and everyone matters. So as long as you're respectful and kind, everyone is welcome here. So um, it's it's been a labor of love. It has, for the most part, we, from day one, we've been all about the community. Um, one thing that I will say that changed um, during COVID was when we said we were about the, com the community before we opened, it felt a little more like, you know, yep, we will give to the community. We will donate, we will donate, we will donate. And then COVID hit. And what was so cool is the community of, you know, of folks that don't know if they'll have a job tomorrow, don't know their future, don't know how long this is going to last, showed up week after week after week and kept us busy. Like it, it brought tears to my eyes, our eyes, when we came in like day two of COVID days where in Minnesota, we had to shut down, we had multiple tables lined up with brown bags with receipts taped on or stapled to every bag of all these people from our community that went out of their way to keep us afloat. So we changed our core value from just the word community to power of community. We totally believe in the power of community. And it is both ways, and we are very grateful. Um, so that that part that changed our definition of success. It, living through that time and the business surviving through COVID has changed and tweaked our our view of success. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that, Deb? Well, I mean, success during COVID was just surviving, but yeah. now uh, <laughs> we actually made some changes to our business model and um, that proved useful too. So there were some good things, 
that came out of COVID, but I would not want to repeat it. No, I think that there are a lot of people that would agree with you, but the the power of community, like you said, rallying around to support the local businesses. And I think that was seen across many different countries. And it's just really heartwarming, as you said, you know, and especially as the business owner, just people trying to help everyone just survive. And they're not even knowing where their next thing is coming from or, or if they even are going to have a paycheck or what's happening. It was uh, everybody coming together. And that that's really powerful. But that is part of what you're creating with your brand. I mean, that is part of what your messaging is that you do want to bring everyone together and everyone to be supported. And I want to shout out that you are LGBTQ certified for anyone that wants to know, and they can check you out that way. Um, But you also really focus on the people that you bring in as your employees. If you can share a little bit about that, because I I know there's a, a focus on hiring the best people. Definitely. Deb and I, um, we now we're in our ninth year and we've learned um, that we want to hire batteries included. That's how we we put it now. We want to hire people smarter than us because we do after surviving COVID. You know, we before COVID, we had a steady climb and we were up to 50 employees or so. When COVID hit, we dropped to like six and then maybe 12 throughout a chunk of COVID. And now we're back close to 50 again. And so um, we're putting that behind us and uh, looking forward, we're hiring batteries included, people smarter than us. And we have a new um, a new goal and it's our, our uh, I, I'm very visual. So the way um, we state our next, how we see the next five years is, if you can dangle your feet off a dock, you can have an urban growler can in your hand. And we have 10,000 lakes in Minnesota, 10,000 plus. So it's a lofty goal, but it's an exciting one. And uh, to get there, we need to hire people smarter than us. I, I like your batteries included line, but but I also like a lofty goal. Challenge yourself and it's doable out there. And um, that's exciting. And it's also a tagline people can get around. And I I visualize the fun. I know you have your t-shirt on Jill, but with the urban. Yeah. But I, I visualize maybe a dock with some feet dangling, as well, you know, in a future logo somewhere or, or some kind of tagline. I, I just think that would be really fun. But Jill, tell me about the food part of it, because Deb was so focused on the quality. And that is, that is really the, the forefront of any good brewing operation. Obviously you have to have a great product and you do, but the food product is probably in Deb's mind, surprisingly good. I don't know, maybe Deb's <laughs> surprised, but since she was so focused on the, the liquid refreshment, but you were focused on, let's pair that with some equally uh, quality food. Tell us yes. about that story. Well, when uh, we opened, we had a very small menu, like pork carnitas marinated in our beer, uh, some Ooh. sandwiches. We just had a soup. Well, for the most part, like we did not have a, a fryer or a grill, um, but we we knew it was in our plan to grow the food end of the business. And now um, we are we call we have elevated pub food that goes great with beer. And so we also are very focused on buying as local as possible. 
our meat and protein uh, is sourced within 150 miles of the brewery. That's very important to us, uh, humanely treated. Um, uh, we're trying to get our produce, at least in the summertime in Minnesota, as local as possible. And another thing we do that I um, want to mention is a, a line of beers that um, are called a plow to pint, P-L-O-W, where we partner with small urban gardens or small farmers, and we bring their story to the beer. Um, so it's still sort of food because our kitchen gets involved in processing the blueberries or the plums or you name it. Um, Deb can maybe talk more about the plow to pint um, line, but you know, food is also in our beer and beer is also in our food. Um, so it's very, it makes a lot of sense. It ties well together. We're controlling in the sense that um, we, we did not want to have to rely on food trucks. Food trucks are fantastic, no doubt about it. But what we read is that they can pull, they can, um, if they get a better offer, they can go somewhere else. We wanted to be able to consistently provide good food with great beer um, and not worry about that end of the, or that side of the business. And then we also offer catering for our, you know, our events. And we do a lot of events, weddings, celebrations of life, retirement parties. And that really cool thing about being in business nine years is there are people that got engaged at Urban Growler or had their first date. Well, they had their first date. Their first date. Had their first date at Urban Growler because they felt comfortable coming to a women-owned brewery. And they gave the guy extra points for choosing Urban Growler as a brewery. You know, there's all kinds of cool stories. And there are children now that, you know, their parents weren't even married when they met. And now their kids are like, you know, eight years old. And so we love when we are weaved into the fabric of people's lives. It could be a picture of them toasting with two cowbell cream, urban growler cowbell cream ale cans outside their brand new purchased house to their baby's first birthday. And then maybe a parent's celebration of life at our, in our barrel room. It is an honor to be in this community with these people. And um, we're, it's, at times, it's like, we don't know what we would do if we didn't have the brewery. We know we wouldn't have the connections we have with folks from our past and the new friends we've made. It is just really exciting. Absolutely. And, and again, the power of community and you're just fostering that and, and multiple generational moving into, I mean, you're, you're laying the foundation for some of that happening. And that's really exciting, but let us not go without mentioning that your food has won awards. Oh yes. I mean, against <laughs> other only food locations, you know, not a, a brewery, but um, actually restaurants. I mean, you, so tell us briefly about that before we go. I just, we need to highlight that. I think it's yes. important. Well, uh, do you want me to talk about this, Deb? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so um, a great publication here, Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine um, had a competition and it was a fish fry competition. And it was, uh, there was a border, bat border battle. There were uh, restaurants in St. Paul, restaurants in Minneapolis, and then we won the St. Paul restaurants uh, for the best fish fry. And then uh, another uh, anchor fish in Minneapolis won for best fish fry in Minneapolis. And then we had to compete against each other and we ended up winning. So it was oh super gosh. exciting. Uh, we got t-shirts for our team and um, it's, uh, it was, a, it was, we've been doing this fish fry every Friday for years. Um, it's not just during Lent. Um, so 
we feel like we've nailed it and uh, we think it's delicious. And now we have proof that it is. It's the 2020 <laughs> winner. And I, I'm just guessing that beer is involved in, in that. But um, Well, actually, uh, it's not beer battered. It's okay. Oh, no kidding. I was guessing. Okay. No, well, it's a uh, Wisconsin-inspired fish fry. And I, Deb, am from Wisconsin. And so uh, that's what you do in Wisconsin. Every Friday is Fish Fry Friday. And that's something we brought to the brewery. But what goes great with fish fry is beer. So any beer goes great with a fish fry. And we just seem to have uh, come up with the right combo. It definitely does. And thanks for thanks for highlighting that. Uh, also, you, uh, along with your great beer and food, you also have non-alcoholic drinks because that's also it, not only for adults that want to celebrate and be a part of community with their friends who do drink alcohol, but also for families, you know, that need some options for their kids. You have a wide variety of things available at your locations. And uh, I think that just goes along with your whole community orientation. I think it's a really cool place. When I visit Minnesota, I'm coming. So I will let you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to give you a heads Great. up. Uh, but before we go, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience, Deb or Jill? We'd be happy to leave them with something from you. Well, I would like to just say that uh, it was not easy for us to get open. And um, we did experience some strange questions from bankers. We, had, we were denied by 12 banks before we got open. And they made comments like, how will you girls carry those big heavy bags of grain? How will you ladies keep those late night hours? So it was there was some discrimination from banks, but it did not. And so if there's if there are people listening that feel like, oh, I've heard no a handful of times, don't let that prevent you from following your dream. We used it as fuel for our fire, and we've wanted to prove those banks wrong since the day we opened. And uh, the bank that believed in us was a two and a half hour away bank that was a farmer's bank, Pioneer, out of Mankato, Minnesota. And since we have been loyal to them uh, to this day. And so I think it's important that you not give up and trust yourself and your experience and go for it. And um, you're, you will hear no. Don't think you're going to get, if you're needing funding, don't think it's going to happen the first time around. Stay committed, support each other, su uh, surround yourself with people who believe in you. And it, it can happen. It's not easy, but it can happen. Yeah story of perseverance, that is for sure, and part of your entrepreneurial journey and many other entrepreneurs, honestly, that experience situations like that, maybe in many different ways. It depends on, you know, everybody's unique, but thank you for those encouraging words, Jill, because you and Deb have certainly just created something unique. And I, I know you have to be proud all those years ago as you were <laughs> sitting drinking Deb's homebrew in the backyard saying, what should we do? <laughs> that the obvious came to you and you figured this is this is what we need to do. And we need to share, uh, you know, what brought us together with other people and, and allow it to do the same for them. So thanks for being with us. Thank, Thank you for, for having us. And a shout out also to our sponsor, Farm to Plate. 
again, a software company, they are creating um, better food supply chain management. You can check out more at farmtoplate.io. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 